does it mean that Jesus is the Christ? Christ, after all, isn't the last name of Jesus. It's one of his most important titles. That's our subject for the day on The Bible Brief. Are you familiar with the expression reigning on your parade? When you say someone is reigning on your parade, you're basically saying that they're ruining a happy moment by what they're doing. Maybe you've just completed a particularly difficult year in your education, and you're having an end-of-year party. And then someone comes up to you and says congratulations before adding, but next year is even harder. They've rained on your parade, interrupting your celebration of your graduation with something sad or sobering. Now consider this. It's easy to rain on the Christmas parade. So far in this series that we've called Understanding Christmas, we've focused on three particular aspects of the Incarnation, God putting on flesh. The first aspect is that Jesus is in fact God, that he existed before the Incarnation, and that the Incarnation was an act of adding humanity to his own identity. At the Incarnation, the Son of God became the God-man. The second aspect is that Jesus, the Son of God, humbled himself at the Incarnation. He willingly set aside use of his privileges as God while retaining his power. He lived as a human with all the temptations and weaknesses of humanity, and yet lived without sinning. The third aspect from our last episode is that Jesus is incarnate as the Savior. He put on human flesh in order to save humanity from sin, and to save the nation of Israel when he takes his throne in the city of Jerusalem sometime in the future. Now, like I said, it's easy to rain on the Christmas parade. The theme for this episode could be the method of salvation from sin. That Jesus took on a body to be the perfect substitute and that all those who believe in him are able to receive Jesus' righteousness in exchange for their own sin. Now, focusing on the method of salvation from sin is a worthy topic and it's absolutely true. And yet, In some ways, I think too much focus on that, absent other things, can actually rain on the Christmas parade. Because the Incarnation is more than just a precursor to the cross. And here's what I mean. If you read the accounts of the birth of Jesus in the Bible, you can't escape the joy of the event. When pregnant Mary visits her pregnant relative Elizabeth, Elizabeth says to her, When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And soon, Mary herself says that she rejoices in God, her Savior. When the angel visits the shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus, the angel says to them, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And finally, when the wise men see the star announcing the birth of Jesus, they rejoiced exceedingly, with great joy. The birth of Jesus is primarily characterized by joy. And when we think about Christmas, we should think about the joy of it. Just think that God came down. He actually came down. And He actually came down for a purpose. He came down to save. He didn't just come down to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Jesus came down to make a way where there was no way. A way of deliverance from sin, yes, 
but also a way of deliverance from the toil of the nations. The joy of Christmas is found in the fact that the Incarnation means something about the future. Not only the future from the vantage point of the first century, you know, in the eyes of Mary and Joseph and Zechariah. No, the Incarnation even gives us, today, a joy as we look toward our future, toward the future of the planet. And that's because we live in a special time. We get to look back at the deliverance from sin that Jesus accomplished in his death and resurrection, and we get to look forward to Jesus' return when he defeats his enemies and reigns as king. We live in between some of the most important events that will ever be on the calendar. Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. Which means something for us as we understand and celebrate the Incarnation at Christmas. It means that our joy doesn't just extend to the deliverance from sin, that Jesus willingly suffered and died for our sakes. But the Incarnation extends past that. After all, Jesus is still in his body. When we celebrate the incarnation of the Son of God, we get to celebrate everything about it. And almost everything about it is wrapped up in what the angel says about Jesus to the shepherds. Remember the angel said this, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The angel here calls Jesus the Christ or the Messiah, They both mean the same thing. And the way to define Christ or Messiah is simply this, the Anointed One. Jesus is the Anointed One. Which is great if we know what Anointed One means, but what does Anointed One really mean? Well, for that, we have to refer to the Old Testament. This term Christ or Messiah didn't just pop up out of nowhere after all. In fact, the whole Old Testament works in a sort of flow a flow towards the budding expectation of this anointed one that we see in the first pages of the New Testament Gospels. Now, instead of rehashing the whole Old Testament in a couple of minutes, I'm just going to break down the basic expectation of this anointed one. Anointing was a practice in the Bible where someone was set apart and designated for special service by God. And the way that anointing occurred was usually with oil. By God's direction, someone would pour oil on another person's head, and the anointing would be complete. That person would thus be set apart for a particular service to God. Well, this anointing was particularly done among three particular services or offices in the Old Testament. And if you've listened to the show for a while, you'll recognize these offices. They are prophet, priest, and king. These three offices would often involve anointing for the person taking the office. An anointed prophet would speak the words of God to the people. An anointed priest would make sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. And finally, an anointed king would rule the people with God's blessing. These offices of prophet, priest, and king, these anointed offices, were all mixed into the angel's announcement that the Anointed One was here, that Jesus, the Christ, had been born. Jesus was coming into the world as the commissioned and set-apart prophet, priest, and king. The prophet who would speak God's words, the priest who would make the once-for-all sacrifice, and the king who would rule his people. 
Just think about that for a moment. Listen to how Jesus fulfills these three offices. Jesus' prophet would speak God's words. God himself, preaching in the world for years. He talks to and shows people what a life well lived could look like. A life of prayer and trust. A life of speaking truth no matter the cost. A life of sacrifice. God himself giving the famous Sermon on the Mount. God himself explaining the parables to the disciples. Jesus was this anointed prophet speaking God's words to the people. And what an amazing thing to see and hear that must have been. It's no wonder that they celebrated his birth. Jesus was also the priest to make the once-for-all sacrifice. God himself was going to make the sacrifice that the people needed because of their sin. Instead of temporary animal sacrifices like we saw throughout the Old Testament, the Son of God was going to make the final necessary sacrifice. Like we said in our last episode, Jesus was named God Saves because he was going to save the people from their sins. And finally, Jesus as King will put an end to the turmoil and the toil of the nations. Don't you long for that, listener? Don't you wish all the politics and strife and power and power playing were all done away with? When Jesus finally reigns on earth in Jerusalem, resistance will be futile and it will be unnecessary. Right now, our merely human leaders all have sin mixed into how they rule. Maybe they get a few things right, but the wrongs are apparent along with them. Well, when Jesus reigns, His governance will be perfect. His power will be exercised for the good of His people. And His empire will never end. Jesus will be the perfect King. So Jesus is the Christ, the Anointed One, the Prophet, the Priest, and the King. The Prophet who speaks God's words, the Priest who makes the once-for-all sacrifice, and the King who will reign forever. That is what the angel was announcing to these shepherds. The Christ is here, and he's here in Bethlehem. Go and see. When I say it's easy to reign on the Christmas parade by looking immediately to the cross of Christ and to the salvation from sin that he provided through his death, I don't mean that that's unimportant or untrue. What I mean is it's only part of the story. It's only part of the Christ that came down at Christmas. If we only focus on the body of Jesus sacrificed on the cross, we might miss the body of Jesus who was raised from the dead, the body who is now seated in heaven, and the body who is waiting to return to earth to reign as king in Jerusalem. Since the incarnation is becoming flesh, we need to look at all the ways in which Jesus in the flesh fulfills God's promises. Christmas is a joyous celebration of the birth of Jesus, yes, but it's also the celebration of the turning of the page on God's calendar. For thousands of years, the expectation of the Messiah, this anointed one, was communicated by God and passed down generation by generation. The Christ who would come and finally set things right. The one who would defeat his enemies, who would bless the world, who would die for sin, and ultimately eventually reign over an everlasting kingdom. Christmas is a joyous celebration of that hope, that expectation, 
that has finally been brought to fruition. What a wonder it must have been to be a shepherd and hear that from the angel. The Christ, the Messiah, is born. He's finally here. The expectation of the ages has arrived as a little baby, in a little manger, in a little town. A little baby who will grow up to do big things. He will grow up to be the anointed prophet, priest, and king, the savior of the world. This is what Christmas is about. The Messiah, the Savior King, finally coming into the world. As we consider the Incarnation this Christmas, we must remember that we live in a special time, right smack dab in the middle of Messiah's work, right in the middle of what He's doing in the world. We get to look back at the deliverance from sin that Jesus accomplished in His death and resurrection. Believers currently get to experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the expansion of the gospel of Messiah's kingdom. And as we look forward, we get to look forward to Jesus' return when he defeats his enemies and reigns as king. We live in one of the most exciting times in world history, a time brimming with hope, overflowing with the expectation of our coming king. A time looking back to the first coming of Jesus, where he demonstrated that he is prophet and priest, and a time looking forward to his reign as king. Just as the angel announced to the shepherds the coming of the Son of God into the world, so also next time an angel will announce his return, not with words, but with a trumpet's sound. So listener, as you celebrate Christmas, remember and experience the joy of the holiday and the joy of expectation that the Son of God is coming soon into the world to reign as King. The one who will come to set things right in the world, the one who will put an end to suffering, an end to injustice, and an end to the striving. Imagine yourself, not as one of those shepherds, but as the student in the classroom the person in the business office, the commuter on a way to a meeting, the worker earning a living. Imagine yourself looking up, looking up and hearing that trumpet sound announcing that the king is going to reign. What would best characterize your reaction? Well, if you're a believer, joy. Merry Christmas to you and yours from the Bible Literacy Foundation and the Bible Brief. See you Monday. Are you enjoying the podcast? One of the best ways for the show to grow is for you to share it with a friend. Will you do that today? We'd love to help more people understand the life-changing story and message of the Bible. Thank you for your support and thank you for listening. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022.